0: Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, welcome to the Countryside Podcast uh, with Kiri Kumud and myself, Simon Clark. Um, some nice subjects today to talk about, particularly um, everybody loves a Meg Lamb. And for people who don't know Kiri, they're ones that um, find themselves. Basically orphaned without parents anymore, isn't it?
1: That's it. A lot. Not, of... that,
0: not that the male sheep has much to do with their <laughs> lambs once they once they're born, do they?
1: No, not at all. But usually it's a triplet that the mother can't rear them, or or there's been a, an illness and and she can't feed them both. But yeah, lots of people love Meg lambs, children in particular, and they're they're a nice animal to take into school and teach some of the the children and um into some of the the hospices as well, animal um animals seem to be encouraging healing and, and better health and yeah they're a vital role some of these animals
0: mm, One man and a sheep and that's who, who you went to see as well didn't you?
1: Yes, Jeff Gellan's very passionate about his orphan lambs he, he has nearly 33 in the flock now but these sheep are um, they're special to him but they've come from other farms where the farmers may, might not have had time to look after them and feed them or, or give them the extra care they really need to survive and, and he's done a great job of rearing them
0: yeah, and a nice relaxation, I'd imagine, after a tough day in the banking world as well. Oh, absolutely. I talked to MHK Ralph Peake uh, about the drive to uh, encourage people to make uh, eco-friendly homes here on the Isle of Man, because I think um, you have to agree, I think we're lagging behind a little bit with some of the European countries, aren't we?
1: We are. We don't see many houses with solar panels. There's a few more getting about, but um, yeah, it's, it's a, good, a good drive, really, I think it. We can harvest some of these natural elements. It would be a good thing.
0: It would be. um they always talk about uh, the Isle of Man. There's wind conditions here, but of course, there's the, there's that fine balance between uh, you know the the disturbing of the of the Isle of Man countryside and you know what's acceptable, isn't it? But uh, Well, that's it. You see, things a lot have of, got to move forward, I suppose, haven't they?
1: That's it. A lot of windmills in the UK being established, and I don't know. Maybe there's a few too many now, but. uh We've got an unspoilt countryside, so, yeah. It's one of them, isn't it? It's a difficult one. <laughs> We're
0: not going to make that decision. And uh, also, I went along uh, to look at some wildflowers uh, here on the Isle of Man with John Dog Collister because uh, his love of the countryside, oh. and particularly the wildflowers, is, is well known. And he, he's always good to have a chat with as well, and uh, he enjoys it and such enthusiasm, a bit like yourself.
1: This is beautiful Maybe not
0: countryside.
1: So much <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful countryside we live in. We're, we're very lucky that you know, the garlic through the sunny orchard there, the smell of it when it's when it's just growing up and and the bluebells and, and whitebells. white bells. It's just unbelievable sight. It's yeah. stunning.
0: Well, there we go. You can sit and uh, smell the smells and listen to countryside.
2: Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <sighs>
0: the Isle of Man government are trying to drive forward a strategy for to encourage people to build more eco-friendly homes here on the Isle of Man, to reduce fuel bills etc and well hopefully be able to spend more money on the Isle of Man economy. To find out more about this venture I spoke to MHK
2: Ralph Peak. We're really trying to get people now to to see how they can actually enjoy the benefits of embracing new technologies. I mean, new technology, they are available around the world, but there really is now clear evidence that by insulating your home well, we can then reduce the need for central heating, reduce the need for fossil fuels, and really get down to a minimum footprint of CO2 output.
0: Because a lot of places, uh, some of the Scandinavian countries and things, have to have triple glazed and fitted as, you know, they've, they've got to do it, and they do do it, and I suppose that's where it, does that where it starts?
2: It is, that's exactly right, it's really r- around about encouraging people to do the right things at the start and you mentioned triple glazing yes you're you're absolutely right triple glazing the windows and triple glazed doors you know those are of apertures in the building fabric which do require a high insulation we all want to see through nice windows but to do that and to keep the insulation figures good we do need to have that triple glazing so that really is an important part of that and if we have things like that and then you'll have benefits year on year and the object of this is to try and show to people that we can actually save their money on an ongoing year-by-year basis.
0: I do hear people sort of, not moaning, but putting it to the, well, yeah, we'd love to put the ones that put electricity back or put the, the little tiny... Um, Wind turbines that would generate a bit of electricity forward, but is it true that that a lot of them won't get any return back? Is that is that one of the worries for the department?
2: That is one of the worries, and that is what we're trying to work on now. We're working on the strategy. tinwell did agree a policy last year in in May of last year, which is to reduce our CO two output by eighty percent by twenty fifty. Eighty percent, eighty percent. It it is a lot. Mm. It's it's a lot to do, and that's why we need to start now. It, It sounds a long way off, but we do need to make a start now. So. The department is working with other departments, the Department of Infrastructure and uh, DED and Treasury, trying to get together this this strategy that will really give clear guidance and advice to people on how they can save money going forward year by year and we did have a, a good meeting in the the environment and infrastructure committee meeting last Friday so we've now really agreed on which points we can take to Tinwald hopefully in June of this year with with a strategy that will give us clear direction for one year and five years so we can then see going down the right path of how we can get people to save money as well as reducing their CO2 output.
0: Yeah, it's, it's encouraging the people, isn't it? Because you look at it to at start and you think, oh, solar panel, I'm just puckling and figure out of my head it might be a thousand pounds, and <laughs> oh, can I afford that? But it has been proven that these sort of things in a few years can actually pay for themselves and you're saving money after that. Aren't
2: you? You're absolutely right. It's that investment at the start to then save money year on year. And that is why we're working with the departments the treasury minister did mention in the this year's budget that they were looking at ways of of perhaps creating money like a bond how we can actually fund energy efficient um, projects and that's why we're working with treasury on that to see how we can how we can take that idea and really channel it into real Projects and proper advice for people on how we can move forward and, and, and reduce this um, CO2 output.
0: Are, are we very efficient on the Isle of Man in energy-wise
2: at the moment? Well, the island's very similar to the UK, so we're, we're no worse than the UK at all, and, and 30% of the CO2 output does come from space heating, so that's heating of our homes as well as, as offices. So that's the biggest area, and that that's why we're just focused on that at the moment. We really do believe that insulating our properties. Better will then allow people to save money year on year with, with heating bills and reduce the CO2 output. And we can start that with, we've got some great ideas with um, architectural designs, architectural competitions to try and get some interest and some properties built so they can see, so people can actually see what it looks like. And we can then, once we have a better understanding with that, we'll be able to advise and, and roll out schemes and projects for people to insulate their existing homes. Because that's where the biggest Area is, but of course we have to get a, a really deep understanding to to give the right advice in that area, so we 're starting off with with uh, competitions around new new properties.
0: What about the the local council house on the Isle of man? Um, is there any sort of merits? So I just pluck things out of the sky why they can 't have one big massive boiler? That's piped into the whole estate or something like that. Yeah. Is that the sort of thing you can look into?
2: Yeah, it's a good idea, and and that certainly is um, is in the, used in the UK quite a bit. Really, we we actually did a fact finding um, trip, a day trip to uh, Lancaster, and and that's what they use. They use district heating systems, and and they had a biomass boiler there, and that actually heated forty apartments. These were apartments in a beautiful location next to the river where they had a hydroelectric, a mini hydroelectric plant there that was producing up to two hundred kilowatts of energy and they had a biomass boiler to produce the hot water heating. Very efficient, very economical place to live and people really did enjoy the fact there was just in each of those homes there was only one radiator to, to actually um, heat the whole of the home and that had a, a living space, kitchen, dining space uh, upstairs, bedrooms, bathrooms and just that one radiator. It was actually incredible. It was great to, to meet people who were living in these these properties and and hear from it first hand how they were enjoying their, their, their lives living in a cleaner environment because they had a mechanical heat ex- uh, system in there which takes all the heat out of the air that's in the property before it goes out, and then the clean air that comes in is pre-warmed. So again, it, it's it's really reducing the amount of loss in the building. It's quite incredible. And they were able to confirm that on the retrofit property that they actually saved 90% of their energy costs.
0: Wow, that's a lot. So that's mm. uh, what the department's trying to do. So uh, yeah. all, all ongoing. And if can people
2: help or get more information on it? Yep, yeah, we, we've had a number of people contact us um, because they've seen press releases, etc. And I have got a number of people. I'm just trying to get a, a collection of a few people who are interested to try and bounce some ideas off to, create a bit of a focus group so I, I will be um, working with those people to, to get um, ideas from them just to see what they think as well so yes by all means you can contact me and um, i can uh, happy to talk to you
0: Ralph Peake MHK the department member responsible for environment, safety and health talking there about uh, well the encouragement of people to build more eco-friendly homes here on the Isle of Man and not a bad idea I've got a couple of solar panels and underfloor heating have you? Aye.
1: Goodness and me. And good
0: mighty they are too, the solar panels. Two big ones on the roof and we thought long and hard about it when we built the house and thought, oh, they might be a bit pricey. But in the summer months, three or four months, we, we don't need anything to do with the heat because the water, the heating's on. Goodness uh, me. Usually, but this will heat the water. And there's maybe two days that you need to just put it on when it's dull and that's not. Because even if it's cloudy this is enough generally to to get enough hot water so i think it's a it's a good idea as long as uh, as long as it's not gone overboard i think
1: yeah that is a great idea yeah. and not many people have had experience with solar panels so they might be a bit dubious about whether to buy them or use them but knowing that they do work like from yourself it it really mm. does push
0: because there's new ones it? now with the photo photogenic, I sometimes call them, but f- whatever they are, the ones that produce the electric as well as the, the Sunrise. But, of course, um, as Ralph was saying there, you know, more planning has to go into how people maybe could get some money back with it joined into the Isle of Man electricity grid. So uh, a lot to do on it, but it's great to see that it's it's moving forward because a lot of uh, European countries seem to be well ahead, uh, Scandinavians well ahead uh, of parts of the UK and Great Britain with uh, that side of things, certainly.
1: Yeah, so let's hope we have lots of sunshine for more solar panels. <laughs>
0: yes, save my oil. <laughs> yes, uh, do with lots of sunshine to uh, keep us happy through the summer. And, oh, of course, uh, with the sunshine, and there's nothing better, you see lots of photographs taken around the Alaman of, of the, the spring lambs all bouncing around in the sunshine as well. And it's, it's a business for a lot of people, uh, but some people who have been other... Th- doing other things all their lives, just want to do something different. And uh, you caught up with, with one such fella, Jeff Gellin, didn't you?
1: Jeff is very passionate about his uh, sheep, and he's doing a great job of rearing orphan lambs. Farmers don't have the time to mess around and look after lambs. And some of these lambs need vital care. And Jeff's been taking some of the poorer ones from various farmers and giving them a good life, rearing them. Um, some of them have have been to the vets. But he has had success, seven years of rearing meg lambs and some of them are having their own lambs now and they're quite independent and and thriving well he's doing a great job with his wife jane
0: yeah there be no deadlines there for him, <laughs> you know,
1: for him. no deadlines at all yeah. he finds it very therapeutic especially when he's had a very busy day in the bank he comes home to the lambs and has a lot of downtime with them and it's, it's certainly changed his way of life so I popped round to his house where he keeps some of the smaller ones in the garage to see what they get up to.
3: It might seem crazy, well it probably is crazy, but seven years ago when uh, I was in a redundancy situation, a girl who'd worked for me and uh, for my wife Jane previously, um, she'd been after Jane for a few years to adopt some Meg lambs and um, we decided to take um, two on um, which was uh, nice for me because there was a bit of stress relief after all that had gone on in the bank. So uh we uh, we adopted Daisy and Rambo. That summer then we ended up with seven, which was uh, probably a little bit more than we'd planned on. And uh, as you know very well, they're quite tough to keep alive. And uh, we did lose one or two along the way, which is always uh, is tough going. But uh, we, and we were very much learning. Um, I wasn't from a, a sheep background. My grandfather was dairy and uh, and beef when I was a young lad, so uh, so sheep was something new for me.
1: But farmers don't particularly like orphan lambs or, or meg lambs as we know them. Yeah, you know, they can be quite costly. The the milk, the vets. Now these guys, uh, have they always been healthy along the way?
3: Definitely not. But uh, and you know that farmers generally do not like megs at all. But and they'll do what they can not to have megs by adoption, and, and other means. So so yeah. So um, we decided um, after the first year when we gave them back to the farmer, and it was. Uh, fairly distressing after having them home for nearly five months um and they were very 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 tame that um, if we did it again we were going to keep them so um, the following year we ended up with nine both in full-time work by then uh which was a bit of a stress and then like you say i think it's generally about 50 percent of megs make it they say so so yeah so we we were sort of in those sort of stats as well so it's it's quite hard keeping them going the number of things they can get that you don't think about is um is mind-blowing so uh whether it's watery mouth, bloat, infection. We've had quite a lot with um, jointill um, and uh, the jointill can be fairly destructive as well. So,
1: But you've got quite a big flock now. You'll have a, a fair few in total?
3: Um, we've now amassed 33. The oldest are six. We've only got, um, the year that we had nine and we kept them, we had seven boys and two girls. One of the girls um, is down at Santon and has produced uh, many lambs over the last five years, which is great. And five of the boys that we have left are up at Mackled now that um, weigh about probably 130 kilos, I believe. And
1: these, They bring a lot of love to the house and they bring a lot of love to children as well. Recently, Teddy, a big celebrity now.
3: I know, yeah, over the um, the years, um, when I think it was even the first or second year, we were asked to take uh, one of the Megs into a school. And it was actually Balacotti where we went back to today. And I'm a governor at school Jubilee, so we've taken them into there over the last few years as well. But... Uh, Kids love them. A lot of kids don't know what they are. Believe it or not, in some of the town schools, they think they're dogs. We do take them in on a harness and a lead, which probably is a bit confusing. <laughs> but, well, uh, yeah. So it's it's great uh, to be able to do it. The kids love it. Lambs are inoffensive. They don't scratch anybody. They don't bite anybody. They're very loving, which is lovely, so um, so yeah, the kids get loads out of it.
1: It really is um, a thing nowadays that people do get a lot of love from animals, and animal therapy is a, is a really big plus in some of these hospitals, especially hospices. Do you believe in it?
3: I do. I mean, we, we've had a lot of kids, as you can imagine, living on an estate um, in the middle of Laxey. We have lots of kids who visit, and some of those kids have got learning challenges, and, uh, and they, they do embrace the lambs, and it's funny, they seem to attract you know, those kids probably more so than any other kids. And, and they're very intrigued as to how they actually develop a relationship with them and they can't understand how tame they become. Because obviously if they walk in a field with a, a lamb and a sheep, they won't see them for dust and you wouldn't get a hand on them. So to be able to feed them and uh, bottle feed them and engage with them is brilliant. Do
1: you believe that children can come out to farms and experience the life they have? Knock bag beg now for children. It's getting more so?
3: Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, like I say, we we've brought it into the community here a little bit. And uh, I mean, some of our neighbours still don't know we have lambs and sheep here, to be, to be honest, because they they are very quiet normally. So yeah, so I think the, the people who know, yeah, it, it brings it into, uh, into the full view. And I think, to be fair, that there's there's nothing wrong with that i think farms can be dangerous places you you know as as well as i do but in the right environment knock ale is a perfect example where kids can go in the fields and experience sheep and and other animals you know close at hand and and i think you know it's got to be encouraged because at the end of the day their food comes from somewhere doesn't it we don't put ours in for slaughter as you know ours are long-term pets Since having 33 of them <laughs> um but you know kids still then know where their food is coming from and uh Whilst we might have lots of uh, non eaters around uh, Mardriot and Laxie,
2: <laughs> gen- generally
3: speaking, obviously, it helps the process of what they're teaching at school as well.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff, and I hope you have a, a great summer with... The, the five that are running around here in the garden and at the patio window right now. But uh, it's lovely to see someone from the town experience what farmers go through every year with the orphans and, and give these lambs a chance.
3: Yeah, well, thank you very much. And yeah, I mean, we get so much out of it and we really do. And uh, we love doing it. And it's, it's, you know, the golf's gone out through the window. <laughs> the suit's gone. The wellies are on. It's very much a hobby. It's been a long winter. The ground is still wet, unfortunately, and, and the sheep hate the rain anyway. So... So, yeah, so fingers crossed we get a nice dry summer and, uh, and the rest of the year.
1: You're starting to sound like a real farmer now. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was Geoff Gelling chatting to me about his pet lambs.
2: Manx Radio's
0: Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, as we've mentioned during this programme, we finally had less rain and more sunshine here on the Isle of Man and a great time for the wild flowers here on the island to bloom and blossom. I went along, out and about, in a secret location with John Doug Collister to have a look at some. We're here just heading up Sartfield from Baccaro Crossroads and it's hidden away a little bit, John, isn't it?
4: Yeah, well, it's off the beaten track. I come down here, you know, regularly to cut through to Michael, but... Uh, it's a hedge that I always look at, and there's there's a lot of stuff on it, you know, flowers, and it's it's like all year round. There's there's always something to be seen on it. Because people, I suppose,
0: associate it with the with the sort of flat gardens and arboretums, yeah. don't they? But right. a lot of the the wildflowers we're looking at are on the hedgerows.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, we we see here just there's three or four here, just straight in front of us. We got uh, primroses. Sumac is the main name, of cronk sumac, primrose hill. Aye. Campion, red campion, lusna, lusna, fairy flower, it's lusna ferrishan, fairy flower. We've got violets, Blair village, sweet flower. There's ferns, all sorts of different ferns, celandine, the yellow celandine. It's a mass of colour when you look at it. Interestingly, primroses have two different centres. Just not very good on the wireless, but one there that looks like maybe four sausages together, and then there's other ones that look like the head of a pin, which you can't really see that, but anyway, so they have two different centres, and I don't think it's unique, but it's a little bit different. Insects with different length tongues or proboscis, or whatever they call them, can pollinate them, because the uh, there's anthers and pistols and all sorts in there, and the, and the pollen it's quite a deep flower, so you need a long uh, proboscis to get down to the bottom to get to the nectar. But they can be pollinated by different sized insects. Just an interesting thing. It's uh, unusual. The primroses are though, are they mainly found around
0: wetter areas?
4: No. no. Mm. You get to see this is a dry hedge. And I don't know whether anybody's been uh, at the start of the switchback, the peel end, peel end, appeal to Michael Road end. There's a little woodland there, and... When you're coming from Peel toward the sandpit, through the trees, the trees haven't got any leaves on neither. The bruit has just started showing, as they, as they talk about fields and the green just starts to come through, the bruit has just started showing on the trees, but you can see how yellow, as yellow as a duck's foot, or cream as a duck's foot, <laughs> it, it's an absolute mass of primrose, it's a wonderful year for primroses this year absolutely fantastic and people
0: seem to you know think of bouquets of flowers and all the big um, roses and carnations but you get a a group of these wildflowers together it's
4: beautiful isn't it yeah technically you know used to years ago we used to pick handfuls and so on but technically a lot of them you're not allowed to pick anymore
0: what about your favorite bit Place for the wildflowers is it around this area because it's it just looks so rural.
4: Well, I can't say I like any particular spot. Well, you know I've got a a, a soft spot for the uh, the curragh, and I was out there yesterday for a wander and and I think the Curragh is a fantastic place, and the colours and so on. This time of year, before a lot of the, the leaves come on the trees, all the the, the greys and the browns and the oranges and the greens and so, it's a fantastic place to go to. But I just like to stop at somewhere, and there's lots of them, this is not the only place. There's a, a nice hedge as you're going towards Peel on the on the coast road, just before you get to Jeffreys, uh, there's a just a bank there that's a mass of, of wildflowers. And you come along here, and as I say, that if you start looking, there's probably a dozen wildflowers here in flower. It helps me keep uh, my, my memory going as you get older, mm-hmm. as you know, and it helps me keep up to date. See, there's ferns here. I don't know me ferns. Mm-hmm. There's ferns here. There's all sorts of things that some haven't come yet. And the thing is, you come here toward the back end and the primrose and all be gone, but there'll be other things out you know yeah, each, well, each how long are others. they
0: going to be out for?
4: They'll probably be out a month or so and then they'll start to, to die back. And then, uh, you know, you, there'll be other things here. And I bet you there'll be flowers in flower here on Christmas Day. I did a bit of a walk around Kirk Michael four or five years ago and I counted about 10 flowers in bloom on Christmas Day, which is fantastic. <laughs> is, that, is that due to the, uh, the supposed uh, well, warm No, <laughs> to, you see, certain things, uh, we haven't got that much gorse in Kirk Michael village but for instance gorse flowers all year round but we got two lots of gorse there's some the Manx gorse the short pillowy stuff and then the big long lanky stuff Italian I think they call it but the gorse flower at different seasons the different gorses flower at different seasons so there is a, a little Manx saying that the kissing's in vogue while the gorse is in flower and the thing is it's always out you know once the spring one is finished the autumn one comes in and as I say you go round you go round anywhere and you will find flowers in, in flower. We've got a, a <laughs> snail out. Again, it's not very good on, on the wireless. But uh, it's just looking. There's all sorts of stuff here. You, you look around. The more you look, the more you see dandelion. There's a dandelion clock there, you know. That's been and gone. There's some there just about to come out. And a handy guide to go with it is the the Manx Flora book. Well, I, I, yeah, I've I just shown you a book that uh, Chris uh, Sheard and myself, 2007, it was brought out but it's 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 not a picture book it's uh, an information book it's manx flower names it's in four halves as i say there's uh, there's the three languages manx uh, english and latin and we uh, uh that each take a turn of being first and then and back as a kind of glossary of the terms so you can work out for instance uh thrift is called kiong jurg kiong head jurg red redhead and uh, you see that growing on the headlands, and that'll be that's growing on uh, the road into into Peel, the, the coast road from Michael.
0: All in all, it's a fantastic time of year to be out uh,
4: surveying the Manx countryside, really, for wildflowers, John. It's great, yeah. People say, how do you know these things? I, I just got a book one time. I went out for a wander and I was looking, under my feet was all sorts of stuff and I got a book. I was scratching and looking and I couldn't find him. George Quayle, fortunately, was alive then. And uh, I used to go to George and I'd say I'd found this and George would tell me what it was and where I'd found it. He was fantastic. But it was just a case of persevering, looking through, what's that, if you don't know what that is, well... Look for something else and gradually I built up a a knowledge and then I got interested in the the Manx names, started taking pictures and I was putting them in like albums and then I, one of them I put a cushion in and I suddenly thought that's a Manx name, I wonder if all these others have got Manx names and and that was the start of me doing a a book. I found that there were books about but they weren't comprehensive enough so uh, that was uh, the reasoning. Doing the book and it's a, as I say, it's just a handy book to take with you if you're interested in the Gaelic and it's interesting how the names are compiled. Some are their usage. we got selen down there, Lusmlen, and that's the, the plant of the, the stomach. could help you, you know, if you're, if you're not feeling well and others. I mentioned thrift, which is Keonjerg, descriptive. And then there's others that are just a Manx name for a flower. They don't have any translation to like uh, English they're just well they're, they're just the name for the flower.
0: John the dog Collister there and myself looking at some of the primroses and wildflowers here blooming on the Isle of Man and there is something about I mean I often go out and pick an odd dandelion Kiri, and uh, an odd wildflower out and then bring it home and just stick in it a little bit of water they don't last that long but I think no. it's just something to look at, and it makes me feel proud to live here on the Isle of Manabey, Manx, actually.
1: It's some beautiful flowers around the roadsides. Down with us, we've got lots of bluebells and, and whitebells, and the garlic is out, and it, you know, the real smell as you drive through the sunny orchard past the fairy bridge there, and, and the colours from the, the bluebells and the primroses, it's just spectacular. It's just gorgeous.
0: Yeah, Is your garden up to the uh, Chelsea Flower Show standard?
1: And um, when the sheep aren't eating it, it's not too bad.
2: <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU
0: Mutual. Well, some, some nice bits there to talk about on this week's Countryside, Kerry, The The enthusiasm for people to try and make homes more eco-friendly I think is a a big thing getting here on the island isn't it?
1: It really is it's important and plus if it does help with um, cutting fuel prices and bills and it'll help families and they can enjoy going out and seeing other sites and rather than having to worry about the bills at the end of the month.
0: Yeah, but uh, it's just everything connected with it. That's just the nice thing. And, of course, um, John Dogg, enthusiastic as ever about his uh, wildflowers. Loves getting out in the countryside.
1: It's nice now the sun's finally come out as well. We can really enjoy them. Uh, I put his name
0: down for the island with Bear grills, actually,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: also um, the, the passion that um, you heard about with with the Megan North and Lambs with with Jeff Gallen, Curry.
1: Yeah, Jeff's very passionate about his Meg lambs but it's nice now, he's seven years down the road and, and his own lambs are having their own lambs and they're independent and, and thriving perfectly well and he's he's just so passionate about them and the care and the amount of knowledge he has now about sheep he can leave some of us sheep farmers standing really
0: oh, dear, we better leave it there then <laughs> Join us next week for more Countryside
1: Don't sit in the slow lane, join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all new Superfast Plus Broadband Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds, and the best value on the island from just twenty three pounds ninety five per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high speed action with Superfast Plus broadband from Shore. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey, and Port Erin, or click shaw.com.
0: Love being shore
1: Terms and conditions apply.